Welcome to episode 165. I'm your host, Justin Chandler, and we have Kyle Davis in the house. Yo. And a special guest, Mario. Welcome back, sir. Hey, it's good to be back. It has been a while, and there's certainly a lot to discuss. I mean, we, like like we were saying before we got, we started recording, like I, you got too famous for us, and we just didn't feel <laughs> worthy enough. We felt like uh, we felt like uh, Wayne's World. We're not worthy. We're yeah, not worthy. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's right. So. Well, you know, now now I'm just in the washed up rock star phase of all that. So you know, <laughs> you got you got me at a good point here. <laughs> Your 35 minutes of fame have expired. No, this Indeed. is we're we're just here early for the comeback tour. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the Mario Sans, whatever whatever you want to call it. <laughs> So tons of stuff to discuss tonight. Thank you, Mari, for coming back. It's always a good time. You always have a unique perspective on all things nerd, all things <laughs> geek, all things fanboy, as you are the co- co-host. You are the host of your own amazing podcast. So um, make sure that you guys are listening to his podcast. And we'll get all that information to you at the end of this episode to make sure that you check that stuff out. But... Before we do all that, there's tons of stuff to talk about. We got to, we have to talk about Snyder Cut. We got to talk about we got to preview Wonder Woman 1984 as we are just weeks away. The Batman Flashpoint, probably not as much Flash Flashpoint tonight, but definitely Snyder Cut. Things are rolling, things are moving. I'm hearing we're gonna see uh, Snyder Cut March, maybe maybe as late as April. But I keep I keep hearing March. But let's uh let's talk some the Batman since we haven't talked about the Batman with you since this is a Batman podcast. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts on all this? Because things have things have dramatically changed over the last couple of weeks. It seems like Jason Kalar is very much a fan of a shared universe, and it's kind of put uh, Matt Reeves in a predicament. It seems like, um, it seems like uh, as important as the Batman was a year ago, it's. Almost a second fiddle because it seems like, you know, we keep hearing rumblings that uh, Ben Affleck is going to be reprising his role as the Kate Crusader and potentially an HBO Max television series. What do you think, Mario? Well, I mean, you did, that was like 17 questions molded into one. So let's see. Let me work my way backwards. I am uh, long-winded. Well, with Batfleck returning, yeah, I mean, for now we know that he's going to be in the Snyder Cut, and we know that he's going to be in the Flash movie. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be one of a couple of Batman, because we got Michael Keaton returning from, you know, from that Batman movie. So Batman is returning. Yeah. Ooh, well, you know, you're good, you. You know, you should have, like, a podcast on Batman. Uh, um, but yeah, so... So find that one out, so no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you know, something that's changed a great deal since the Batman went into production, which, remember, it kind of like began its life cycle back in 2017 mm-hmm. when Matt Reeves officially signed on in like February or March of that year before Justice League had even come out. And um, 
You know, at that time, lots of things were up in the air when it came to the DCEU. They weren't exactly sure which direction they were headed just yet. And mm-hmm. it looked like the previous regime and the previous run of films was going to be basically being brought to a close in a way. Um I mean, yeah, and they knew that Ben Affleck was leaving, and it kind of just seemed like, okay, you know, Matt, we're going to let you make your own movie in a vacuum, and we're going to start from scratch because we don't like, you know, the current thing isn't working out so great for us. But then what's changed a lot in the last year or two is that with Jim Lee calling the shots now, this whole idea of the multiverse has really come into the forefront. You know, he was a big proponent of the the Crisis on Infinite Worlds crossover, and you know the film division is the one that contacted the Arrow, you know, the the, the TV division to get Ezra Miller put into that for that little cameo. So like, it's been a very important priority over on the DC films end of things and over on. You know, on the DC side of things now to really emphasize this idea of the multiverse. And then again, we hear about Keaton and Affleck and the flash. So my, my what I'm thinking is going to happen is they might basically just try to allude to the fact that the Battinson Batman is one of several things in this DC multiverse. So mm-hmm. that if down the line, they want to make it cross over, you know, I guess they could do that. But I don't think Reeves is going to play along with any of that. I'm sure they're going to let Reeves like do his stories. And perhaps when that trilogy is over, then we might see some Battinson show up in some other crossover or you know types of deals. You know what I mean? But I don't think that they're going to try to wedge Battinson into an overall shared universe. Because I, I do think Reeves is um, treating this very much like Nolan did, where like, Batman is like really the only hero here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's the only story he doesn't really want to allude to a whole other larger world of heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, so and like uh, and like yeah. you brought up an interesting point about you know the you know Affleck leaving and then Henry Cavill it seemed like he was done, but now it seems like yeah. he's very much in talks to return. And we you know you, every once in a while we hear rumblings that you know he's interested. But he's going to be back in the cape and, you know, he's going to do all that stuff and he's going to show up in this movie. He might show up in Flashpoint. He might show up in, you know, an Aquaman or, you know, it seems like to me just kind of like out looking in. I'm, I hear things every occasionally. It seems like Jason Kilar, you know, Keeler Kilar, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it seems like he's very much interested in having a shared universe. And the and the, the reason I'm thinking that is because he's very much interested in reviving the Snyder Cut. He's interested in a Flashpoint film. He's interested in you know these these shared universe. You know you know the interest in Henry Cavill because I think the last time you and I sat down and you know, were on the podcast, it seemed very much like the old you know the Snyder universe that was created. You know Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide yeah. Squad. That was basically those runs of movies were going to be ending. They were going to mm-hmm. come to a conclusion, and we're going to get a new Batman. They're going to restart Superman with Supergirl because they can't figure out what to do with Superman. So they're going to they're going to do a Kryptonian with Supergirl. So it seems like I don't know, like it it's constantly changing, especially in this you know post. Well, we're still kind of in COVID, but it seems like everything you know post COVID is going to be. You know, theatrical is going to be different. Like they, they, you know, fired the first shot, if you will, in regards to what their their plan is for 2021. Everything's going to be brought onto HBO Max. So 
it's just interesting. This is like, what is happening? What is going on? But it's a lot of good stuff. Like Snyder cuts coming the Batman, uh, like as much as I'm interested in the Batman and like, I really, I thought that trailer was strong. I'm still interested in Batfleck. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, no, I, there's... I know that you've got a, a fire burning still for Batfleck. And I do, too, to a certain extent at this point. Mm-hmm. But go on. I just, I just felt like he, like, there was still so much left unexplored. Like, oh. we didn't get to see, like, the, his Bruce, like all his Bruce Wayne that I wanted to see. We didn't really get to see the Batman because he was supposed to do a solo film. Yeah, well, that's and, like, get a solo film period i feel like you know in in bvs and in justice league it was like we were getting teases and also in suicide squad we were getting teases of the bat universe that we're going to get to spend a lot of time in one day you know what i mean i was looking forward to seeing ben affleck and jeremy irons as bruce and alfred and i wanted to see that whole world built out i wanted to find out about what happened to his robin i wanted to know how it was that he got so hardened and dark and violent by the time bv the story of bvs happened i wanted to see you know like there was so much stuff that we never got to see. Like it was a lot of basically, you know, teasing what you know, cool stories to come, and then none of it ever came. So like, we have like these unbelievable, like cinematic blue balls when it comes to bad. I was going like, to say we, cliffhangers, yeah. but I mean, you can take it sexy. I don't care. <laughs> well, yeah. Nightmare sequence two was like something that was kind of like left yeah, get followed up on. Yeah. So there's, like, a lot of stuff that, like, I'm a huge fan of Batfleck. You know, I was a huge – when he was cast, I was like, wow, they got really good casting. Like, I was for him when he was cast. I was for him in BVS. Like, everyone gave him crap, and then he was the best thing about BVS, and that's not a knock against the overall film. Uh, like, we have our opinions on Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. You know, we have our opinions on Justice League. I'm excited to see, you know – his version, Zack Snyder's version of a continued Justice League with Batfleck. But I'm also really excited that we are now segueing to, you know, our next, you know, topic is we're getting the Snyder Cut. It's coming. We're almost there. We just have to, you know, keep wearing our masks, doing what we're doing, socially distanced so that we can, you know, stay COVID free so we can watch the Snyder Cut. It's coming. What are your thoughts on this? Actually, like we're months away. Like it's coming. Yeah, like, it's, it's December. It's the, we're in. The, we're at the you know <laughs> the end of this horrible year. It's December. We're three or four months away. I mean, it's it it it, it is rather unbelievable. You know, this thing it, tracking this whole project for the last few years has been just nothing short of. Fascinating. It, it deserves its own documentary. You know, this whole thing that's happened with Justice League, tracking what happened during production, then mm-hmm. the overhaul, you know, the the several overhauls that occurred during production, ending mm-hmm. with Joss Whedon basically reshooting into like September with a movie coming out in November. I mean, mm-hmm. It was just complete lunacy, right? And then, you know, the release, the Snyder Cut movement began shortly after the movie finally arrived because people were like, that is not the movie that Zack Snyder was <laughs> intending to make at all. So this curiosity about, you know, at first it was more like um, like righteous indignation. You know, we were rooting for our filmmaker. We want to see his vision. And I feel like that was like the initial crux of the campaign. But I feel like it lasted for so long and that hashtag and the movement itself endured and evolved to the point where even people who weren't that first wave of like, no, this has been, what did you do to Zach? We need to see his movie. We need to write this wrong. Even people who didn't feel quite like that 
just got very like, well, you know what? Yeah, release the damn thing. I want to see what all the fuss <laughs> is about. I want to see, you know what I mean? And if he shot four hours worth of movie and there's all this other stuff, you know, and the fact that they reshot pretty much all of Superman stuff, that means that there's like an entire Superman arc we never mm-hmm. got to see. And they reshot all of Cyborg stuff. So there's an entire Cyborg subplot that like is would be like its own movie practically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just the, the curiosity factor started to kill me after a while. And then I thought it wasn't going to happen. Then I thought it was going to happen. It kept going back and forth. But now here we are. You're right. It's coming in a few months. I'm excited. But I'm also like, how are they going to do this? Because Zach was like, there are, like, like like you called it, there's little cliffhangers and little teases, little things that are, are, are alluding to another story. You know what I mean? This wasn't just a self-enclosed story he was trying to tell. This was going to set up other things. Mm-hmm. So with this now being its own miniseries, what does that do for, like, the stuff he was teasing? Is he going to cut all that out? Or are there still going to be teases of, like, Batman, Deathstroke, and what's going on you know, in Cyborg solo movie that, you know, isn't happening? Because, like, for me, if if those teases remain in there, that indicates that Snyder or other filmmakers may get the chance to follow up on those stories. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is a whole other you know, game changer, too, because when we first heard about this officially coming to HBO Max, it was treated like, you know, it's just this one-time special event, you know, we're just going to finish this movie and get it out there to the fans. But if he's setting up, like, sequels and solos and spinoffs from this... They're giving him money. Yeah, it's like a Trojan horse, because then all of a sudden we get that, and then it could lead to so much more. So I'm just really curious, like, how this is going to go and how he's going to handle those little, like, teases and hints of things that are to come. Are they going to remain in there to tantalize the audience and and potentially give us more cinematic blue balls if they don't get followed up on? <laughs> or is it going to be a self-enclosed, nice, neat beginning, middle, end? It ties the whole thing off at the end, and now goodbye you know what i mean like that that is to me one of the big pressing questions i don't think so i like i just don't like if if flashpoint is gonna do what it's gonna do and we'll get to flashpoint here i think and like i'll ask kyle the same question like i just don't think that this is gonna be one and done for him i don't think that i don't think the studio is gonna because now i think now the the rumored budget for the this film is now i heard as high as 80 million Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you've seen that online, but I've seen. I that saw like online. seventy, but yeah, it's that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a movie that's already been shot mm-hmm. and they've already done a cut of. And now we we know that you know Deathstroke came back for a scene or two. We know that we're gonna see Jared Leto return, and there's gonna be like another sequence of like that nightmare sequence, but it's gonna be in this Justice League movie. Like we saw like a teaser of it in. You know, the, that trailer that he, you know, dropped on Fandom and then he dropped a few weeks ago, which was, you know, an updated with, with like one or two things here or there. But if we remember correctly, Justice League wasn't supposed to be just one film. He had an exactly. idea for two films where it was going to take off in space, you know, where he where Batman, Superman and, you know, the Justice League go off and fight on Apocalypse. That's what how I, it's been told to me that they were going to be out in space fighting on Apocalypse Dark Side. And so the first thing that we see on that, you know, on that is Dark Side. So my question to Kyle is if they're spending this money and then I'll, you know, same question for Mario, if they're spending this money 
do you think this is just they're just you know they're just putting the money towards like cutting the film and the special effects or do you think they're giving him money to film things that could potentially lead to other films originally i was very much of the opinion that it was just going to be like you said uh like i quit like hey just kind of recut it real quick and then let's get it out there so that we have something for hbo max but now now that you said like oh now we're like expanding the budget immensely like you said multiple millions now that we are like having other projects sort of tie into the the Zack Snyder universe more than we may originally may have been led on, like it seems like they really want to use this as a catapult to really further push future projects. Maybe I don't know if those are going to be further theatrical films or they're going to be like uh, HBO miniseries or what, but there, there's definitely going to be more coming from this. Mm-hmm. Mario, I know, I know that I showed you this. So I got today the Godfather code of the death of Marco, Michael Corleone. Don't waste your money. Just don't. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I'm so pissed off about this. So, all right. Um, so then let's not get into that, but let's get into, <laughs> what let's stay about? on the cool stuff here. <laughs> well, hey, I, I just kind of wanted to pick something Kyle said made me think of another sort of harebrained, um, theory spiral I went down a few weeks ago. But, you know, there have been lots of reasons to think that David Ayer is also going to get to release his version of Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. He's dropped lots of little teases. Now he's starting to do the same stuff like Zach did, where he's dropping, you know, concept artwork and and describing scenes from the original cut. Mm-hmm. And there's been little things, too, where, like, he interacts with fans on Twitter, and he speaks about it as if, oh, wait till you see it, or when you see it, it's going to be great. You know what I mean? Like, it, I get the sense that it's coming. And the way I, I see see this all connecting is, you know, we're talking about Jason Kalar and the things he's excited about bringing to HBO Max. Remember, Suicide Squad and Justice League originally worked together. You know, the, the David Ayer cut actually featured stuff that had to do with, like, Steppenwolf and Parademons and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you think of it that way, if they get Zack Snyder's Justice League, and because remember, it's, it's a miniseries. So if you think of it as like a season of a DC series, they basically have two seasons because Justice League is one season and Suicide Squad. It, technically, they probably should have released Suicide Squad first because mm-hmm. that story leads into Justice League. But even still, it's basically essentially two seasons of like DC Black sort of content, whatever they want to call it. And then from there... What do we want third season to be? Could that be the Ben Affleck miniseries? You know, like, you know, like they'll get him to adapt his movie that he was going to make with Joe Manganiello. Because, yeah, I'm kind of like with you where if they're bringing Joe Manganiello in and they're bringing Jared Leto in, this is really starting to feel like they're dropping hints again for a greater Batman story to, you know, to, to, to come. You know, so I kind of, part of me is going to be pissed if there isn't, because like, what are you doing teasing me with all this cool stuff again if we're not going to get it? You know, here we go all over again. <laughs> you know, I want to see Affleck versus Leto. I want to see Batman versus Deathstroke. These are things I've been waiting years to see. So if you're going to like tease me again in this and we're not getting it, you go to hell. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is you bring up the idea of the air cut, and this further cements the idea of Kel- Jason Keeler or Keeler, however you pronounce his name. I apologize to you, sir. Come on our podcast and ex- <laughs> pronounce your name to us. He just he just logs in, Jason Keeler. Bye. <laughs> 
but he but it seems like they are doing so if they were to drop that a or cut that just boosts the the library if you will of these films that have already come out so you got mm-hmm. man of steel you got batman versus Suic- batman versus superman almost said batman versus suicide squad batman versus superman you got suicide squad then you have um justice league and but if you redo those both those films you're actually propelling that already existing library that existing shared universe to its original form yeah so you have those films that that were how they were originally intended and then you have, you know, you have your Birds of Prey, then you have your sequels to that. You'll have yeah. Wonder Woman 84, you'll have your Aquaman 2. You'll have The you'll Suicide have, Squad. Yeah, you'll have The Suicide Squad. So it's very interesting to see, yes, David Ayer is, and they definitely should drop that. I mean, if his original, I, I'm, one of these days I'm going to ask him how long his actual cut of his film is. I hope yeah. he Bonds, because that would be interesting. Maybe it's an extra 25, 30 minutes of film that we have not seen. Because he said it's very much, I think he said like two or three days ago that he just recently watched his cut. And I don't know if this was like a fake David Ayer Twitter page or what, but I thought he said, you know, he recently watched his cut of the original Suicide Squad, that one that he had, and it was much more like that. Uh, like Comic-Con. the first trailer. Yeah, the Comic Con. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw him say that. Yeah. So, I, I, it, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm just excited because I, I do kind of get the sense that he like he's working on it right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is happening because I, I go back to that Hollywood Reporter article that came out, the one that announced that the Snyder Cut was officially on its way to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. In that, Snyder sort of detailed the timeline where he got contacted about the possibility of doing it on the second anniversary of Justice League's release. Mm-hmm. And that was in November of you know last year. And then they said, okay, why don't you basically put together like a presentation, like a picture, show us what you can, you know, what you think you can create with what you've got. Come in and we'll let you know if we, you get the green light. And then he came back in February and showed them, here's what I think I can do for you guys. And then they said, all right, let's do this. I kind of get the sense Ayer is in that phase right now. Because when he, the fact that he's like digging up concept art and talking about his cut, like it seems to be very top of mind right now. And I kind of get the sense that he's like getting ready to like go to Jason Killar, who's like the fourth member, the fourth host on this podcast today, uh, <laughs> with the amount of times we <laughs> mentioned him. Um, but yeah, I feel like he's getting ready to sit down with them and be like, "All right, here's what the air cut would look like," or if he if he hasn't already. Further, I think they're further along than that. Yeah, I, I think. I, I hope they are. Like, that was what my gut's telling me. I think everything kind of hinges on – and that's why I was hoping that they would they would wait on Wonder Woman and they would drop they would drop the Snyder Cut, like, Christmas, and then they would do Wonder Woman, like, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or something just because I'm greedy like that. <laughs> so um, – but it's interesting to kind of see that we are almost – it's kind of like history repeating itself. So we'd yeah, see, yeah. you know, Snyder on Vero or, you know, wherever, you know, he was dropping a few hints here or there. And now we're seeing Ayer kind of doing the same thing, talking about 
his original versions, dropping, you know, concept art, talking about Jared Leto's Joker. I don't think, you know, even with the air cut that he has, I still think that he is a little, I wouldn't say angry at himself, but a little, I think he's kicking himself that he didn't make Joker more prominent. So I think that he kind of wants to you know, take another stab at this. So maybe, maybe, maybe if we're lucky, Mm -hmm. they'll give him a couple million dollars to reshoot some Joker things. Yeah. Well, well, there've been two things about the Joker that he's brought up in recent years that stick out to me. One is actually, this came from Leto where he said that like 90% of what he shot didn't make it in the movie. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that, Joker didn't get enough screen time, like like, like that he didn't explore a lot with Joker. It's just that they ended up having to chuck a lot of it, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, you know, uh, depending on who you ask, a real messed up thing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people hated Leto's Joker just from looking at him. So to them, it was a blessing. Good. Just give me very little of that guy. But then there's people like me who like wanted to give him a chance. I know he's a very talented actor. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what he could do with the role. And I wasn't just going to like write him off just because of the freaking gold teeth and tattoos. But I, um, I wrote him off because he said hubba hubba. <laughs> well, yeah, that's your and problem. That's a good reason to do it. <laughs> you know, you too. But hang on. And then the other thing he said about the Joker is that in hindsight, he would have made Joker the villain of the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he said he kind of was like uh, he he was second guessing having that big, insane third act with the portal over Gotham and all the you know henchmen and the you know all that stuff. He 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 regretted that and he wanted to keep it more of like an intimate, more human threat, more grounded threat, which makes a lot of sense because the Suicide Squad is not like these huge superpowered people, you know, so to have them go up against demigods doesn't make a lot of sense. So he has said that like in hindsight, he would have had the Joker be the main, you know, uh, antagonist. But, um, yeah, I think the ship has sailed on him being able to do that. But at the very least, if he can get back in there and, and make the, the henchmen into parademons again and re-include whatever, like Steppenwolf type, you know, dark side, uh, teases were supposed to be happening. I mean, that could be really riveting television, if you ask me. Um, it's interesting as well because, that could, you know, that that might be a two and a half or three hour thing that they could drop as episodes. Have we gotten like an actual confirmation on how they're dropping it? Is it going to be one four hour Snyder cut or is it going to be? They said it's going to be a series. It's going to be like they haven't said how many episodes, but I think it's like four to six episodes. So it's going to be like Ooh. basically like four to six installments with their own little cliffhangers. It's going to, yeah, that's part of what's why the budget is so high. He's not just releasing it as one long story. He's basically like reshaping the whole thing to feel more like a TV series, more episodic Mm -hmm. so that each episode ends with, Oh, I got it. Yeah. I got, I'm looking for, you know, where are we going with the next episode? You know? So, So, so some of what he's doing involves basically morphing it into a different type of project. Well, is there going to be an option, though? Because what if I just want to sit through five hours? I think he said, I mean, I I, I honestly, that that I don't know. I feel like they've, you know, they have officially announced that it's a miniseries, but I feel like it was either word on the street or they did say it, that there will be like a Blu-ray option to just watch all four of them together as one, you know, cut. 
But um, but yeah, but don't hold me to don't hold me to that one. The miniseries thing I know about the get, getting to see it as one four hour extravaganza. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, give me. I I'll take six hours of it. I sat through. <laughs> I sat through the Irishman. I can sit through. <laughs> I can sit through my favorite superheroes for six hours yeah. or four hours or however long it's going to be. Because I know that his ultimate cut of the ultimate edition of Watchmen was like three. Three and a half, I think. Forty. Four. Was it four hours with the with the cartoon put in? I don't think it hit four hours now. But it, it's pretty long. Um. So... Oh, and something I think he might be doing, too, with that budget is I think there might be certain actors that he might not be able to get back for what, you know, for, for, you know, for when he needs them. So we might see some, like, CG uh, Superman, if you know what I mean. You might see, like, a CG. We already saw that. Yeah, but I'm saying, <laughs> but like, the full body, you know, from a distance, not you know, not a blurry mustache face, but there might be like a, you know, like a, a, a digital version of some of these heroes because I, uh, I mean, it, it'd be yeah. better than just seeing the back of a stunt double's head, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the sea black suited Superman punched the bejesus out of uh, Steppenwolf. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Like when we saw that in the trailer, like I like when we do our trailer breakdowns, we you know stop everything, and it was like I think like our final pass, Kyle, was it our final pass of looking at it when we're like, oh shit, Superman's yeah. punching, stepping wait, wolf. It's like, wait, is that and, Superman in that scene? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be cool. But again, I'm also just you know I have I have so many questions also about. Like how what's the story that he's going to be able to include in this? Because there was the original script. Then there was the script that was overhauled before they even started filming based Mm -hmm. on the reaction to BVS. Mm -hmm. So by the time they started filming, it was already sort of a different beast. And then there was the third version when Whedon came on later on. So it's like there's, you know. He shot lots of different stuff, but I'm not sure if he was ever like fully able to shoot all of what he originally wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So he he's you know so he probably has all of an already compromised script, but like I don't know just how is this going to end? Because there was a thing too where like Superman was going to stay dark for a while, mm-hmm. and and he was going to be under Darkseid's power and Darkseid's control, and they, that that was supposedly one of the things that were coming up in his arc. And yet, we also know that he filmed that epic shirt rip from the end of the movie where he's clearly, he's back to being his old self. So unless that shot is more of just like part of a montage of the good old days, uh, my question is, so is is he's going to end up there? Okay, that's fine. But that's different than what he originally wanted to do. So again, I'm just fascinated by the compromises he's had to make and which like version of this story is he actually going to be able to tell? You know, well, I, what I'm really looking forward to, and I don't think anyone's really been talking about this, you know, online is I'm looking forward to his original opening sequence because that opening mm. sequence that we see in Justice League, the rooftop th- scene was completely yeah, – that, that was weird. 
yeah, that was all Whedon. Like, I think that was something that he even scripted himself. Yeah. And that was nothing that, you know, that I think that was like shot, you know, after. So I'm looking forward to seeing like his original actual opening with uh, who knows if it's Batman. Maybe it's a scene on Themyscira. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, yeah. you know, something more intimate between Lois and, you know, Ma Kent. Like, it'll be interesting to see th- what, what his original. There's so many things that I'm excited for, but to see that opening, because when we went and saw Justice League, I don't know if you felt it, but I was like, this doesn't seem like the actual original opening. No. This, this rooftop sequence didn't seem, didn't feel like... Well, remember, the first thing we see is that cell phone video of Superman where his oh, face I, looks weird Yeah, already. I was just thinking of that. I was like, is that, was that, a, Joss, was that a Joss Whedon scene? Yeah, so we open yeah. with a Whedon, you know, the Whedon Superman cell phone thing where his face looks weird. <laughs> then we go into Whedon's opening credits. The Actually, I forget the exact sequence on that, but I know it's like we have – like all of the opening is all Whedon because it's the Superman cell phone thing. Mm-hmm. It's that rooftop scene, which is 100 percent Whedon, and there's the, the credits, which attempt to – kind of do the same thing that Snyder tried to do. Um, because from what I hear in his version of the story, the movie begins kind of showing you how the world's gone to shit since Superman died and mm-hmm. how, and how, how much our heroes and are, are struggling and how much earth is struggling without Superman at the forefront, you know, without Superman there to help us. It's, it's all to sort of set up when they find you know, the the need to get the team together and then the need to try to bring him back. But apparently, like you know, the, that first act of Snyder's movie was pretty dark. And 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 what Whedon did with the credits was try to cram all that into like three minutes. Because remember, during the credits, it's that thing where you see like a crime spree and headlines, and they're basically trying to show like, look what's happened to the world without Superman. And then there's but, that weird bank heist that like that that bank heist is still i watched justice league the other night for i was like man this nothing seems to fit well you know that see i I noticed something if you look at the trailers the original trailers which when when it was still just all snyder Mm -hmm. that bank scene ends very differently in the original Mm -hmm. one in the theatrical cut, she throws the bomb through the ceiling and it blows up over the, you know, in the sky and no one gets hurt. In the, uh, in the Snyder cut, the whole place explodes. You see, you see from people on the outside reacting and you see the windows exploding overhead from that second floor of that bank where the guy is. And yet we see in the trailers for the Snyder Cut where Wonder Woman is looking at that smiling girl, the hostage, like she just rescued her. But I think like that sets up a tragic twist. I think Wonder Woman fails in that scene and it's part Mm -hmm. of the drama and the build to like, you know, we're getting overwhelmed here and we need to get the team together. You know, we need to do this. So in other words, I think she fails in the original version. Because, again, if you go back and look at those opening trailers, the, the the first few trailers, you see the second floor window of that place blow out in flames onto the street, as opposed to the explosion happening at a nice safe distance. So that's all to say, I think, you know, the, the first act or the first episode, so to speak, should be pretty hard hitting, should be pretty uh, intense stuff trying to show a world without Superman. And and just from a narrative standpoint, it would make a lot more sense. You got to set up the conflict that Wonder Woman has to kind of deal with throughout the rest of the movie. And she that's has to, to Steve Trevor. She <laughs> has to 
Now, yeah, instead of just, you know, worrying about her dead boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a man who wore a leather jacket like that. He just had the best of I chins. I knew a man. <laughs> All right, we get it, Diana. All right. <laughs> like, like, man, like, get over it. He's been dead now for 80 years. Like, <laughs> go... 100 years at that point, homie. Like yeah. go go seek some uh, some counseling. Sit I mean, on it. Really yeah, she's still <laughs> like, pining a, a, a century later, so he must have been really good at what he did that night in the village. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> yeah, he was a great dancer. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Snyder Cut. Anything else, Kyle Mario, that we missed on Snyder Cut? Other than we are. Super stoked to see that I mean, cut. You know what I'm most excited about? The score. Yes. Having, having the proper score for that. Because I just did a, I, I, I am amidst a DCEU rewatch. And I'm doing it with my family every Friday. We make like a big event out of it. I mean, we've been doing it since the COVID began. And we started with Star Wars and then Harry Potter. We've been working our way through all these different series. Now we're in DC. Um, and we did Man of Steel. We did Batman versus Superman, which was hard, by the way. I, the, you know, you should check out my show. I, I don't want to go back <laughs> into it, but it was harsh. Um, my six year old son was not ready to watch Superman die a bloody, gory death. <laughs> and I probably should have thought of that in advance. Did yeah. you watch the, did you see like the ultimate edition we or whatever? Did the ultimate. We did the ultimate. Uh, because I think it is the more complete version of the film, but it is also rated R, which I forgot. So, like, I'm sitting mm-hmm. there with my six-year-old son, my nine-year-old daughter, and there was a lot of stuff where, like, there's lots of blood and gunshots and cursing and, you know, just it, it's pretty – it's a harsh watch for the little ones. But, you know, but still, they loved the scores. We were listening to the Man of Steel score the entire week after we watched Man of Steel. And they wanted to listen to the score for BVS after we watched it. And then it bro- I got so, like, sad because when we were about to watch Justice League, my son puts on the What Are You Going to Do When You're Not Saving the World, which is the track that has basically Hans Zimmer's Superman theme on it. And I wanted to let him, like, you know, son, you're not going to hear that tonight. Like, when we see <laughs> Justice League, even though we're going to see him come back from the dead and we've been looking forward to this and there's going to be a big triumphant Superman thing, this music you've been humming for the last two weeks, for whatever reason, Danny Elfman just said, screw it. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to do John Williams and I'm going to do my 30 year old Batman theme. You know, the score to that movie was really underwhelming, especially yeah. after like several weeks of doing a deep dive on what Zimmer and Junkie XL did for the first two parts of that trilogy. And like when that when that film came out and everyone like really trashed Danny Elfman, I was like, it's not that bad, but it's like that whole film is just so vanilla. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's not a bad tr- sound, you know, soundtrack on its own, but it doesn't have any personality to it. It's super, and, and it doesn't build on this, on this, on the, on the lang, on the cinematic language, on the musical language of the films that led to it. It feels like a total styles clash. And like, you know? I feel bad for Danny because he was hard to do a job. Joss Whedon, I'm sure Joss Whedon wasn't like, "Hey, we want you to, we're bringing you in because we want you to continue what you know has already become." It felt like. He was brought in to kind of just like do this rush job. Give us nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. 
very much like you know, and like Danny, like everyone's like, well, Danny Elfman reuses like some of the Hulk stuff. I was like, you got, I don't think people realize. So like the, they said, the you know, the Hulk stuff sounded like the Flash stuff. If you look, if you listen to a lot of Hans Zimmer stuff, you yeah. you hear, oh, yeah. you hear things that he's used. He's you hear motifs. You hear. Yeah. What about freaking John Williams? Who you know, you could start humming Star Wars and end it. Superman and you know. and Harry Potter. Yeah. Like there's, if you listen to The Last Samurai and Batman Begins, yeah, like the, there's a lot of similarities. Be, yeah. Like I know that they're two totally different films and two totally different scores, but there's a lot of similarities between. And I like, I, I just wish people would give him a little bit more courtesy in regards to that score because he was hard to do what Joss Whedon wanted him to do because it's a collaboration between two creative people. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's like they, like we've seen enough behind the scenes to know kind of like how it's not just like, well, I just came up with it. It's a collaboration. Hey, we want this here. It's a collaboration from, you know, filmmakers and, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm a, I guess I'll say I'm a Danny Elfman apologist when it comes to this because I feel like he got really treated unfairly and people really went after him. Yeah. Hard. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I am an Elfman apologist as well, but that doesn't detract from the fact that it was a forgettable score. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I know he was put in a thankless position, and I'm not mad at him for it. I don't think, ah, oh, Elfman, what a hack. Yeah, I feel like he was brought in and they basically almost gave him like the edict. Like, listen, we're trying to just make this more like family friendly and nostalgic and we want to just make this light and bouncy. Use the old themes so that the parents and the grandparents like it. We want this to be more of like a family friendly thing. You know, remember, they were trying to like redo the image of the DCEU as the dark brooding thing. That's why mm-hmm. Justice League was so much more like colorful and light and funny. So I feel like as part of that. Yeah, I mean, and totally forgettable. But I'm saying, but when they when they brought him on, I think they just kind of said, like, listen, just give us something that's like light and 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 nostalgic, and get it to us in the next ten minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's basically. Yeah, like, you mentioned when we were talking earlier about the the bank heist. That music there that is that he plays. That music and that sequence do not work whatsoever. I had the same observation. That's so funny. I never noticed it till last Friday when I watched it again. I'm like, this music is like out of sync with this scene. And now you're saying it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. It's very like it's very much like that piano just does not work there. It just for whatever reason, it just does not. It's like it's like trying to combine two different recipes for the same kind of meal, but for whatever reason, you need some you need some salt, and instead you got paprika or I don't know. I'm trying to go yeah. with the weird a weird. Well, speaking of piano, I, I I to me it's so egregious that when they're in Smallville. Mm-hmm. And the and Clark standing out in the field. I think there is like a little bit of quiet contemplative piano. How do you not just go? Da-da. Like it's so uh-huh. simple. 
That's what that's been his little motif for two movies now. Mm-hmm. You really couldn't just sneak that even even if you don't want to do the full theme and you really die hard about it. It's got to be the John Williams theme when he's in the suit. Fine. But when he's there on Smallville, like it's such an obvious and easy thing to do. And if you're going to put piano there already, why not just use the one that's already established? You know, it's like I it almost feels like he he didn't even see the previous movies. And he just literally just came in here to just do this quick project and then move on with his day. It was paid. not anything that he he got paid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I don't think he put any ounce of effort into like, well, let's see what they did last time. You know, yep. so uh, I do so like frustrating. His, I do like his flash stuff, though. I that, do. Was, that was pretty good. I like that. I thought that that was, you know, the right thing. That I was mean, probably the best thing he added. Kyle, thoughts on this? I know you like I, musical scores too, so I like musical scores, but I have not gone back and really listened to anything from that project in a long time, so it's all kind of a blur to me right now. Yeah. See, Kyle, he was able to find the Men in Black like little flash thing. <laughs> the neuralizer. I, I really, yeah. I really have. Like, I haven't watched Justice League in like almost two years now, so. I watched it the other night. I was bored. I was like, let me give this another shot. And I'm just like, man, this just feels, it's like such a weird convoluted. It's, it's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yep. That's what this is. Too many cooks in the kitchen. It's unfortunate. But luckily we're to the point where we're months away from seeing his original. We're going to hear that score. And I really wish that they would drop that score on Spotify tomorrow <laughs> or iTunes. Like I am itching. Like why don't you I'm, ask Jason Kalar to do it? You know, he's, you know, he's the magic. Let me, let me text him right now. Yeah. Hey Jason, what do you think? Oh, hold on. I'm dealing with Chris Nolan right now. <laughs> he's hate texting me. Oh God. <laughs> you, you know what Chris Nolan would always say? You either die a hero, or live long enough, long enough to see yourself become the villain. And he did it. Yep, there you go. And it's actually, very poetic I, I, in a way. I'm glad Nolan's here in the conversation because it, it allows me to circle back to a thought I had about the Batman, believe it or not. Because I was talking about how Reeves is going to do his trilogy of the Batman stories, and I don't expect any of those to share any sort of shared universe mm-hmm. with the other DC projects that are out. But the thing I'm wondering is, remember, when Nolan got to do this, he he ended his trilogy in a way that basically meant this Batman cannot go on any further. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, will Reeves do the same thing or will he be nice and leave it open ended? Because I always felt like Nolan put Warner Brothers in a thankless position back in 2012 when he gave Dark Knight Rises and basically said, hey, Warner Brothers. So here's this week. I, I delivered this amazing Batman trilogy that made the last two entrants have made a, over a billion dollars. You know, all this critical reception and somebody won an Oscar for this stuff. You know, here I, I've given you this, but now I'm I'm going to write us into a corner to where it has to end now. And, you know, Hollywood loves to milk a good you know idea mm-hmm. so he left them kind of in the lurch with like now you know marvel's been making movies for four years and their shared universe is booming at this point in 2012 and now our batman our big thing is just ending and he's old and retired and has bad knees and pretended to kill himself so he, he's done <laughs> you know what i mean he's got yeah. 
You know, he you know, he's just Batman for like three years, and then that, that's it. He's done. I'm too old for this shit. He got to the too old for this shit almost as quickly as Daniel Craig's Bond did, where in Casino Royale, he's a rookie, and three movies later, I have arthritis in my back, and I must retire. Oh, Chris like, wait, these guys are freaking brittle. What's going on? The longevity <laughs> in these action heroes. I mean, Sylvester Stallone, we could teach them a thing or two about longevity, I tell you. Shoot, he's been, but, he's been Ramble for how many years now? Like, and Rocky. Exactly. And Rocky. But, but, but when it comes to the Batman, I guess I just I, I guess a part of me just hopes that no matter how Reeves feels about commingling his universe with the rest of the DC universe, uh, I hope he leaves things in such a way where if these movies are well received and Battenson is a big hit, we can perhaps see him cross over and do a world's finest with whoever the next Superman will be or something like that. You know what I mean? So I just hope Reeves doesn't like write that character or that version of the character into a corner. Well, here we see Nolan screwing the studio over yet again. Yeah. (laughs) Because he cock-blocked Zack Snyder from using – because it's the word – like I tweeted this the other night, and I was told to take it down – by people, so because I didn't want to piss off Warner Brothers and blah 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 blah. But, oh no, people's feelings. Um, but I, it's like the worst kept secret that Zack Snyder wanted to use Christian Bale in Justice or BVS, and Nolan cock blocked them and saying no. But like, like that's what irritates me about this Nolan situation of how he says, you know, he says, you know, it's the worst streaming. He's like they kind of like he, he's a talented filmmaker, but he. He was kind of like – he was made successful at the studio. You know, he's biting the mm-hmm. hand that feeds, and I just feel he's so tone deaf. And that brings us like to the perfect segue of Wonder Woman because <laughs> now Wonder Woman is going to drop simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. And again, at no additional cost. Yep. Yeah, and that you know, like how awesome is that? But like, and then the response from people is, you know, they weren't, you know, talked to, they weren't made known of this, you know, like I guess I get it, but at the same time, it's like you guys have already been paid millions of dollars. It's not like they fired you. I don't know. Like maybe someone has a better take than I do. I just feel like at this point. During this pandemic, during COVID, it's not safe to go to the movie theater yet. It just isn't. You know, the precautions that they that they have, you know, it's like you can argue about going to a gym and, you know, the benefits from that. And I'll have that argument all day long with people because I do feel that there is benefits. You know, you can get healthy, mental health, cardiovascular. There's tons of things that you can do at the gym. And maybe there's a way to figure that out. What? Tell me a reason to go to a movie theater in a pandemic that makes health sense. There's none. You can't can't justify it. Yes. Like I, I can, if someone says, Hey, I'm obese, here's an opportunity for me to lose weight. It's too cold to go run outside. I go get a treadmill, blah, 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 blah. You can, I we can have that argument. I'm down for it. There's, I feel like there's a way to do it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you should, I'm not trying to tell you to endanger lives. I'm just saying there, there's a, there's an argument to be had. There's no argument to be had right now about movie theaters. And not to mention, yeah, but like all this rush to freak out about we're killing the movie theater business. Like, first of all, no, the pandemic is what (laughs) created the situation. This isn't like someone just decided, screw it. Second of all, things were trending this way already because Mm -hmm. people were just getting more comfortable watching things at home and all that sort of stuff. But third of all, 
It's going to ultimately be up to consumers to decide what happens with the movie theater business. Because mm-hmm. when world, when when life gets back to normal eventually, if consumers don't go back to theaters and start, you know, and 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 support that, you know, that way of enjoying a movie, they are going to go away. But all the guess what? All the people who do love it, all the people who do see the value in it, all the people who don't complain about all the things that people like to bitch about when they go to the movies, the people who really do like to me going to the movies, like going to church. I love it. That mm-hmm. whole communal experience, being in the big room with a bunch of strangers, the lights dim, and now we're going to go somewhere together. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. So p- the people who love it, they're going to go and they're going right. to go a lot. You know what I mean? So I think ultimately, yeah, a lot of a lot of locations will close down, but there will still be movie theaters. And guess what? It won't be the annoying theater goers because those people will be at home. They will have weeded themselves out. The people who are going to be at the theaters are the film buffs like us who love it, who take it seriously, who Mm -hmm. are not going to be on their phone or laughing or talking to the screen or doing all the other obnoxious things that the people who now can just watch it at home can do. You know what I mean? In the middle of Superman's death and BVS. That never happened. That's not going to happen anymore (laughs) because I I swear, like, this is going to make it so, like, the true film buffs, the really passionate ones, they're going to be the ones who go to the theaters. And to me, in a way, I'm almost kind of like excited to go to a movie post this with people who take this as seriously as clearly I do if they're willing to go out and do it. You know? you bring up a good point is like people have 70 inch screen TVs. Now they have, so the theater, the fee, the, the at home theater experience has been around now for a couple of years. Yeah. So they saw this trending and they made a decision that is good to salvage their terrible releasing of HBO max. I mean, not having it on Roku was such a huge issue. Yeah. For a lot of people. Not and the uh, Fire Stick, yeah. Not having it on Fire Stick, a huge issue. Now they're getting to that point, and now they're – and me and Kyle talked about this a number of times. You have a, a product that is being wasted not being dropped on your streaming service. Do mm-hmm. it. Just drop it. I don't want anyone to lose their jobs at a movie theater. I don't want people at a studio no. to lose their jobs. It has nothing to do with that. But as a consumer who wants to see these films, you can't keep pushing the film back because you keep doing that. You're telling me that the film is no good or or it, it becomes cold product. It leaves the consciousness. Yep. Yes, it, it's become stale. Mm-hmm. So and it's not. And and I think that Nolan is very tone deaf when it comes to that. That dude doesn't read emails. He doesn't have a cell phone. It's like, dude, do you not get what's been going on? Do you not? We not understand the the costliness of this pandemic. What it's done to people. What it's going to yeah. continually do to people. The after effects of this. And you want to open a movie theater? Like I get it. Like I know I I have friends that have gone to movie theaters and but it it was empty. They literally went when it was uh, when it was empty. Okay, like I have no like I get it. Like you figure out a way to kind of like to like to work the system. This because he went. This person went and saw Tenet and whatever. Like I don't care. That's like that's not that's it is what it is. But him's coming out and saying these things is kind of like. You released a movie in a pandemic, dude. 
and you like forced your studio to distribute it, even though they were not really sure about it. And then they took a one hundred million dollar bath on it. Like, there's, yeah, there's a lot of like irony to this whole situation. He's like, you need to release my movie. We released the movie and it bombed. Now we need to do something else. Well, you, well, this is your fault. Obviously. This is your. Yeah. <laughs> it's like thanks, Chris. It's like Michael Scott here. Like we I got, also, go ahead. Like it's like it's like that scene in The Office where where the the GPS is telling Michael to go into like the into the water into the lake, and Dwight's like, "No, don't do that. It's telling me to go this way," and they end up in the lake. Yeah. Like, what's going on, Chris? Here? This Everything isn't going to go well. I don't care. Do it anyway. It. Yeah. I hope I wasn't the only one who got that office reference. No, no, I, I, me and my wife are super fans. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, like, that's what he did. He's like, let's drive this into the water. Like, and what think of it this way, too. Like, if they would have just stuck to the original thing of having Wonder Woman 84 come out on Christmas Day, it would have also taken a, a bath, just like Tenet did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, at least this way, they have a way to monetize it. Because, first of all, you notice they took away the seven-day free trial. Very smart. Yeah. So they're going to at least get 15 bucks, which is like a movie ticket, and they don't have to split it with a movie theater. So yeah. they're going to get a lot of people who are going to sign up for HBO Max. And then the fact that now every three or four weeks, Jason Kalar noted, uh, every three <laughs> or four weeks, there's going to be a new Warner Brothers movie available on the streamer exclusively for a month mm-hmm. like i mean that that's going to make people not just do the one month but they're going to be all right then i'm just going to keep this yeah, this is pretty keep cool i get yeah. movies they're going to do the suicide squad and dune and godzilla versus kong all for free on this app hell yeah and now you have people who may who may have just gone to three movies a year typically spending 15 dollars a month to watch all your movies you know what i mean so it's like i think it, it's a different um, financial model. It's a different economic model, but I think it's a smart one for Warner Media. And, you know, like I said, had they not done this, had they just released Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas Day, it would have been another tenant situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then, plus, you're going to get those people who want to buy, they see it and they there's an opportunity to, for them to buy on PVOD. Mm-hmm. They can do that as well. I don't know if that's yeah. what their plan is with that yeah, movie. Now it's going to be exclusive on Max for the first month, and then it and then it'll move to that like the the paid video on demand type stuff. Mm-hmm. So there there is there is an opportunity for them to make money. It's they're having their cake, and it's an unfortunate situation. I don't want to see movies go away in the theater. That's not what. No, but of course, there yeah. has to. There has to be a, a little bit of wiggle room in this situation. You have a movie that has been pushed and pushed and pushed. And now, usually Disney's kind of been on the forefront of these decisions. You know, look at Marvel, look at Star Wars, look at the, you know, Disney Plus. Now the pressure's on Bob Iger. What's he going to do with Black Widow? What's yeah. the point there? So, yep. Wonder Woman 84 coming out, like, um, I'm really looking to, like, we've been kind of, like, talking about, like, everything but Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, um, let's do it. Let's talk about it. I'm so excited. Like, I, I like how are they going to bring, you know, Steve Trevor back? Like, you want, what, you, want, you want to know what I think it is? Uh, she gives up her power to keep him alive, something? That's, no, I think, you know, th- this whole thing with Max Lord seems to be, and some of what they've alluded to in trailers and some stuff that Jenkins had said early on in, like, early interviews about what the what it would cover, 
Uh, Max Lord seems to like he's going to have a dynamic where he could grant you anything, but there's going to be a negative counterbalance. It's like an old moral fable that's gone. It's a trope that's existed for 30 years. It's a monkey's paw. Yeah, it's exactly. So Max Lord is, you know, he he basically offers you a monkey's paw. He gives you all these things, but there's going to be something awful. So at some point, she's going to, you know, cave in and ask him to bring Steve Trevor back, and then we're going to ultimately discover that that opened up some awful other thing. And then I think that's why at the end she's going to have to like, you know, painfully say goodbye to him again because you know it's to, to undo whatever power we you know the you know, to undo melt the that power. one again. Hopefully he doesn't end up on a plane. <laughs> but I'm just saying that there's no way he lives past this. So that's what I'm saying. Like, by the end, she's going to realize she has to return him to the, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the superhero version of, you know, heaven. And, or maybe they, if they want to call it, you know, whatever their afterlife is. The mascara? <laughs> they have to let him go back to that so that, you know, the world can be put back in order again, mm-hmm. you know? As so long I as think they that's kind of reverse the earth again or something. You know? <laughs> But yeah, I think that's I think that's the plan. I think Max Lord has the whole uh, "I'll give you whatever you need, but you're going to pay for it some other way." Like I'm really looking forward to Pedro Pascal. Like he's so good as man as oh in the Mandalorian. God. He's so good, but and everyone forgets like that dude was in like Narcos. That, that was like, he, amazing dude, in that. Like he's dude, a Game of Thrones. Yeah, he he's, was unbelievable in Game of Thrones. Like so many good things that he's in. Kristen Wiig was like the only question mark I had like it wasn't like I didn't think she could do it like I like I get like a Michael Keaton Heath Ledger kind of like vibe with all that you know mm-hmm. someone that you kind of you're unexpected and you, everyone says like she's really good in it but I'm still kind of like I'm a wait and see kind of guy when it comes to that I'm not saying she can't pull it off I know that she's a wonderful actress but that's a that's a huge lift for her you know I, I really liked her in Ghost the Ghostbusters that she was in yeah no, she I was good in that she's good in everything I thought the product, but like for me, that role, like that's a that's a heavy lift for her. So and, and it'll be- my only concern isn't her portrayal. Honestly, it's gonna it's how she looked in the most recent trailer, the like the the CG and like when she's in like full cheetah mode. She looks like something from Cats. <laughs> yeah, it looked a little like, you know, like like they still had some work to do. So I, I, I really hope that by the time it arrives, you know, uh, in what, two weeks now, that mm-hmm. Cheetah looks much more, you know, uh, finalized. Because I don't know, did you guys notice that in the trailer that came out this past summer when they finally Sonic revealed guys. her? Yeah, I, I don't think I ever thought it looked particularly great, but not necessarily bad enough to, like, ruin the whole experience for me. Yeah. Um it, Oh, I wanted to ask Kyle, though. Kyle, how are you feeling about uh, Kristen Wiig? And that I'm, whole thing? I'm kind of indifferent. Like, I've I've not really seen a whole lot of her stuff. And uh, the good news is she's she's not going to be, like, the sole carrier of, of the plot or anything like that. At least I don't mm-hmm. think so. Uh, obviously, she has uh, Pedro to kind of bounce off of, it seems like. So I think it'll work out. But we'll see. I've definitely been wrong on those matters before in the past. So we'll, we'll have to <laughs> wait and see. <laughs> Um, are you guys, are you guys looking, is there one thing that you were looking forward to most about Wonder Woman 84? And we'll start with Kyle on this. Was there something like you're like, you maybe like something, maybe like Femascara, you're looking forward to seeing that again. Looking, obviously we're going to, we're there to see Wonder Woman, but is there something that you're looking forward to the most from Wonder Woman 84? We need the invisible jet. 
Ooh. <laughs> oh, I, t- I completely forgot about that. Fudge. The invisible jet. Damn it, Kyle. You're good at this. Mm-hmm. Mario, you what are you what are your thoughts? Mine is a little more abstract, but it's I'm looking forward to finding out why it's Wonder Woman 1984. Because 1984 has very interesting sort of overtones. You know, you got the whole George Orwell stuff. You know, you, I wonder, like, what is it about this story? What is it that she's trying to cover here? Uh, you know, what, what types of thematic ground is she trying to cover by setting it in 84? And that's what I'm kind of curious to see. Jenkins as a filmmaker uh, tackling something. You know, like, I, I just... That's a very specific choice. It could have just been Wonder Woman 2 set in the 80s, but it's Wonder Woman 1984, which is very specific. And people have, you know, um, strong associations with that because of the Orwell book. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, is she going to talk about Big Brother? Is she going to talk about, yeah, like, it just seems like she's got some, some, some meaty, there's some meat on the bone. And I want to see how she tackles it. Um, I, I always like looking for like deeper meanings in stories that seem simple because uh, I always find like interesting, groovy little uh, universal truths in there and things that I, I can I can correlate to real life, even though it's some far flung fantasy. I like finding <laughs> the little bits of truth in there, you know. So, uh, yeah, for me. Hans Zimmer score. <laughs> like like as All much right. as I'm looking forward to this movie I can't wait to listen to that score. Yeah. I thought that what he did with that score in BVS and not being able to get that in Justice League and now we're going to get it in Wonder Woman like it's a him full you know yeah. full on for this cuz we only got a hint of that his score and BVS, and he didn't do the score for Wonder Woman 84. I mean, not yeah. Wonder Woman, but the first Wonder Woman. Although Rupert that was Gregson. a pretty good score, whoever yeah, that was. Yeah, it was good. Rupert Gregskin Williams, I there think his go. name was, and he did uh, the Aquaman score, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, But, like, for him, for me, like, I'm obviously I'm looking forward to her, you know, riding the lightning, you know, with her lasso. Like, I'm all looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, you know, the love connection. But for me... Hearing that music, you know, those because he hits those notes, especially, you know, when the The percussion and all that. Yeah. And like the the emotion, too, like he really, you know, you know, like that's something, you know, when I'm driving to work, when I'm driving home from work, when, you know, I'm, you know, working from home, like I can't wait to be able to play that in the background and have that wall of music plain like i know like it's probably like the weakest thing to say but like i'm really looking forward to hans zimmer here you know we were talking about the justice league yeah you know score with junkie xl like i'm looking forward to that drop that tomorrow drop that on spotify i don't care but wonder woman 84 score like bring it on right on like the villains too like i i really like i know that no one's really everyone's been kind of like talking about you know, Wonder Woman kind of returning in this 1984, but, like, I'm really looking forward to Pedro Pascal as, like, this weird Donald Trump, Maxwell Lord kind of guy. Like, I'm really interested in see what he does because he's so prolific as an actor. 
I'm I mean, really... he's a shapeshifter. Yeah, like you, you said people forget about uh, some like narcos. Like, no, I, I've been like a Pascal fanboy for freaking years because he's so versatile and he's very different in every project. So like I've been I I watched him years ago on this boxing show called Lights Out where he plays this like tattooed buzz cutted Armenian boxer with this heavy Armenian accent. I never I didn't even know who he was. Then I saw him as this straight laced Caucasian lawyer on The Good Wife on CBS. Mm-hmm. Then he was in uh, Game of Thrones. I forget his character's name, but he was awesome in that. Then he had Narcos for a few seasons, like, and in everything, he's a totally different type of character. And to me, like, I've been, you know, and that's why I'm so happy that he has the Mandalorian now. He's becoming more of a household name. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to get to be like one of the main villains in a huge Wonder Woman movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like just as a fan of his and and a fan of his career, I'm just happy because I feel like now he's going to finally be very, very well known. And I won't be the only person going, hey, have you ever heard of this Pedro Pascal guy? (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, is there anything else? Like, I know we gotta like we're talking we're talking about previewing it, but like, there like it's just just let's we've been you know we've done the trailer you know breakdowns we've done you know this person's cast that person's cast at this point it's kind of like right like um, like all the cards are on the table now we're just we're just waiting for the next two weeks to go by so we can actually watch it and ultimately I just hope it kind of lives up to expectations and for me personally like. I feel like this is going to be the movie of the year. You know what I mean? Because, you know, this is arguably the biggest movie being released this year. All the other big blockbusters, even, you know, 007, Ghostbusters, all these other things, Black Widow, all got pushed into next year. But Wonder Woman is actually coming out. This was the big blockbuster that's actually coming out. It's coming out on Christmas Day, which is a time when, like, a lot of people have been conditioned to go see a movie with their family. It's Mm -hmm. it's been like a big box office sort of time of year these last six or seven years. So it feels like this is going to be the movie of the year, you know? So I'm kind of excited to just be able to go and, like, enjoy this world and know that a lot of other people are, too. We may not be in the same movie theater, but a lot of people are going to be checking this out, and this is going to be, like, the cinematic event of 2020. And with such a crappy year it's been, let Wonder Woman 84 be the one that, like, you know, let us end on a high note. You know, <laughs> you say let's end on the high. No, I'm just waiting for our alien overlords to take over. Because did you see that news the last couple of days? There's still they, time. The Israel. Did you see what Israel said about the aliens? We're done. Like this is it. We're fucked. It's oh, over. Our alien overlords are taking over here. It's like wow. you thought you we were getting out of December without anything major happening. No wars, no nothing. But you thought we were done. Vaccines coming out. Alien overlords are coming over. I've been saying it. And like one of our one of our friends, Chris, who's been on our show a couple of times, he's like, Justin, you like a month or two ago, he goes, Justin, you need to listen to that first episode in January. And I said, why? He goes, listen to it. And the first thing is like, I hope everyone survives 2020. And that was before like COVID. Was like, oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, please let us get through this alien overlord thing. Like I saw an article, like I was scrolling through Facebook. Trump's known about aliens for a long time. He was going to tell everyone. And I was like, oh, unfollow, unlike, get that, get that away from me. Maybe that's why his response to the pandemic was so lax. He's like, listen, the aliens are going to get us anyway. But like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're, We're dead gone. anyway. 
Wear your mask. Don't wear your mask. You're going to get probed to death before the year is up. We're doomed. It's over. <laughs> wow. I was trying to end on a high note, but uh... hey, that, it doesn't get any higher than it doesn't get any higher than aliens and being our overlords. Like this might be Planet of the Aliens. Like you know how Planet of the Apes, the apes take over. This might be you know Armageddon meets uh, meets Alien meets. Independence Day, and Will Smith ain't saving us. That's not happening. <laughs> Look, if we gotta go out, I think this is probably the best way for us to go out, right? Jeff Goldblum, he's not coming up with no virus. And we get to stare at Gal Gadot for a few more hours before we go. I mean, yeah. that's that's a gift in and of itself. Or they come out the they come out on Christmas Eve, and they're like, <laughs> "You want a gift? Here's the gift." Ho wow. ho ho. <laughs> and now I got a machine gun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, this has come off the rails, but uh <laughs> and no and nobody was doing anything medicinal. <laughs> there you go, not yet. <laughs> um so Mario, thank you so much for coming out, but where can we find you on our social Was there well hold up. Was there anything oh. else we needed to talk about before uh, we call it a call it a day or a night? No, I think uh, I'm I'm just very much looking forward to Wonder Woman 84 and this and the Snyder cut. I think us DC fans have been very well fed this year, despite all of the things that 2020 was. There's been a lot of exciting things on the DC front. And, you know, we we haven't really been able to say that a lot these last four years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So one thing to be grateful for is that as DC fans, we've been very well fed. Um, We did have one question, though. There was a Twitter question asked about what of the Batman villains would we like to see in like a sequel so we'll do a little quick you know two (laughs) second thing here for that question so Mario start with you well it's a little hard to answer right because we know that there's going to be like a whole bunch of them in Matt Reeves the Batman you know like in his movie already there's already going to be like at least four villains between Riddler Penguin Catwoman Falcone uh, there was uh, who else did someone else was confirmed. I mean, th- we know that there's going to be a bunch of people. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell you know, where I'd like them to go next, considering I don't know the state of his rogues gallery in this, mm-hmm. you know, in this timeline. But personally, I've always had a soft spot. And I don't know if he would ever go there, if he would kind of get this weird. I don't know how like realistic and grounded he wants to get. But I've always had a soft spot for Clayface. I was going to say and, that, too. He was yeah. really hot hit. If there's a way to do Clayface, like that would be, I'd be very, very happy. I would be down for Clayface. That was that was mine. I was gonna I go sure. Man Hat, but, oh, but Clayface. I was gonna pick that too. That was my second choice. So Clayface number one, Man Bat number two. Just go like really weird. Get like like just get like a really great actor like John John Goodman as Clayface. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. So. I don't know who else you get for that. Who who else would we you know fan cast for for Clayface? I don't think there's anyone. Yeah. That could I, I, I would have to think more on that, but yeah, I'm trying to think about like Daggett, the original guy who we met in Batman the animated series. Mm-hmm. What kind of character Daggett was like? Failed yeah. actor. So mm, yeah. For some oh, yeah. reason, like I, when I picture him from the animated series, I picture Kevin Bacon. I don't know why, but um, That'd be interesting. But he yeah. already did like a really yeah, great. He already film. did X Men First Class. So let, let's spread the love, right? I, like, I like a, for, come to mind John Goodman yeah. for that role. But Kyle, what do you? Got? 
I have never been shy about showing my love for the Court of Owls. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I think you could do a really cool story with the And Court that's of Owls. what Reeves would do, yeah. Yeah, that's like right up his alley. I mean, shoot, he, he might already be planning on doing something with his movies for all we know, but that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. You know, like that, the, what's interesting about the Court of Owls is it's such a newer Illuminati villain and, for and that's the, the thing, though, like, Batman. We're so used to a lot of the villains in these movies being just a big bad guy. We got to get stronger, punch yeah. him, take him down. You, can, you don't just like, but he, he's going to the whole organization. You don't just like punch the court of Owls to take him out. Like it's, it goes a yeah. lot deeper than that. There's a mm-hmm. lot more nuance to how you would handle the situation. And they're not just a terrorist organization like the League of Shadows, where they're very, they're it's they're it's a cultural society. From afar. Yeah, it yes. is like the Illuminati, like you said. I mean, how fascinating would it be too if ultimately that's what this movie's about? You know what I mean? Because we know there's a lot of villains, but what if we find out who's really pulling the strings from right. behind? And then in the sequel, he has to, you know, like this plot just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's something that Reeves mentioned. Like we, one of the reasons he was inspired by Chinatown was this idea of like a detective basically, you know, pulling one thread and then realizing, whoa, how far does this go? And it's the entire city's corrupt. You know what I mean? He goes after one person and finds out that basically the governor is behind it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So yeah. he likes this idea of Batman going down a rabbit hole and seeing like who's really in charge here. So I wouldn't be surprised if the main villain is someone we haven't even heard of yet, because that's supposed to be the big like, oh, you're the puppet master. Nice, you know. So I'm right. just curious, and right. if Court like of Owls ends up being part of that, holy like we're crap. gonna spend the whole movie thinking the Riddler is this great mastermind, yeah. but in the end of the day, he's just another pawn. Yeah, I love the idea of that, and I I, I kind of get the sense that's where he's going. I also get the sense that he's pulling a lot from uh, the the Long Halloween, you know, because when I saw the, the there was a set picture of Carmine Falcone with the three claw strikes on his on his cheek that mm-hmm. happened in that story when Catwoman cuts him and and on top of that Cat, uh, Selena is wearing like the same outfit at a funeral that she was wearing at at a funeral in the long Halloween so I feel like I know he isn't adapting any one book but the fact that I'm getting long Halloween vibes from this story so hey, far Robin oh, I'm not in a rush to get Robin I, I know. I listen. I know that's an unpopular opinion. A lot of people are dying to see the Bat Family on the big screen. I guess maybe it's because of my cinematic blue balls. Hashtag cinematic blue balls <laughs> from Batfleck. I'm just dying for more, just like in-depth, layered character studies on a solo Batman. You know what I mean? I'm not in a rush to give him a sidekick and then and all of the other stuff that comes with that. You know? I mean, I'm cool if we get to it, but I kind of hope that for now we focus on who is this Bruce Wayne. You know, that's fair. You make a very fair point. So Court of Owls, Clayface. So that answer. Sorry, I didn't have that question. That that Twitter user's uh, that name. So that's Bat of Gotham, Bat underscore Gotham. Oh, okay. Well, that's why you're here. (laughs) Answer that one question. So thank you, Bat underscore Gotham for that question. But as we call 165 to a close, 
Mario, where can we find you other than being on Ryan and Kelly? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can find me every Friday with my show, The Fanboy Podcast. It's available on all podcast apps. Recently, I finally got got it going on Spotify. Happy about that. I'm also, there's a YouTube version of it too. There's a whole video component with me and a green screen and it's much more, it's a visual experience. Um, so, you know, you have two ways to check that out. The Fanboy Podcast, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on uh, your app, your podcast apps of choice. And on social media, you can follow me at IDJ Weddings. It's just at IDJ Weddings. It's spelt exactly the way it sounds. Uh, and uh, this is all true. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say fake news. That's fake news. Um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, make sure that you uh, are following us on our social medias at Shailen on Bat on our Twitter. Follow me on, uh, Twitter at Batman Shailen, even though it's locked down because my students are trying to find all of my information. So it's, it's locked down for a moment. Um, where can we find you, Kyle? You can find me on the Twitters at Looting Kyle, and you can also check out me on YouTube at Looting Kyle as well. What about Instagram? I'm on the Insta as well, if you want to see pictures of cats and other nerd-related stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mario, thank you so much for coming on. I know you have... Thanks for having me. ...to attend to, so that is it for 165. What, what?